We're Metapod, a podcast about the new era of podcasting. With everything and everyone entering the podcast space, there's not a lot of industry talk covering the action. So we'll be taking a closer look at the developing podcast industry. Who are we? I'm Henry Gorilafond. And I'm Matthew Justin. And we're two music industry geeks out to discover what's happening behind the scenes and mega deals of podcasting. Last week, we spoke about Anchor, Spotify's response to recording studios, engineers, and recording software. Anchor lets you record podcasts and and post directly to Spotify, with the interesting option of including any song you'd like from the Spotify catalog. So we tried that with a song of our own that we released a few years ago. But right as we uploaded it, this interesting message popped up. It read the following. Since this episode contains songs, it will only be available on Spotify and needs to be reviewed before it goes live. We'll let you know as soon as it's approved. If you schedule this episode for a future date, we'll review your episode as quickly as possible, but can't guarantee it will be done before your scheduled publishing date and time. Well, our podcast was reviewed pretty quickly, and it did go live at the planned time. But you can wonder how scalable this review stage is, and whether it's run by humans or automated. What's interesting to me about this problem is that it really hasn't come in full force yet, which is to say, no artist has righteously complained about being included on a podcast that they don't like. This seems like Spotify's way of anticipating what could turn out to be a bigger problem. And while we're on the topic, I do wonder how this system currently works. That is to say, how they're actually reviewing these podcasts. Based on the turnaround time and the way we uploaded it, I doubt there's actually a human behind. And if I had to guess, I'd say there was some sort of elbow or bot crawling the podcast and looking for bad words. Which does raise interesting questions about language recognition. Certain languages, specifically the rich Western ones, are successfully recognized by algorithms much more than others. And credit to them for proving fast, actually. Less than 12 hours for us, and on the weekend. Now, getting back to Spotify, there was a new iOS update as of February 3rd, with some interesting stuff. Now, when you either hit the plus button or download an episode of a podcast, a new playlist called Your Episodes automatically appears under Playlists in the Music tab. Not the Podcast tab, but the Music tab, and more about that later. At the same time, you get a very quickly disappearing pop-up bottom bar saying, added to your episodes with the word change on the right side of it. If you get there fast enough to press change, you can change the playlist it's being added to, including any of your previously music-only playlists. Now, if you didn't mean to add it to a playlist, you just meant to download it, which I do all the time, well, tough luck, deselecting it under your episodes just asks you if you're sure you want to remove the download, which undoes what you're trying to do in the first place. On the other hand, adding an episode to your podcasts doesn't automatically download it, and you can't set the Your Podcast playlist to automatically download everything in there. I tried. The very cool upside is that you can add podcasts to a music playlist, albeit in a visually different format. It takes up almost three times more vertical space than a song would. So if you add a podcast to a playlist, which is set to download all songs, it'll be added to that playlist and downloaded, like the rest of the songs in that playlist, which I think is very cool. Weirdly, if you do do that, it won't automatically add it to the Your Podcast playlist. 
but I like that because it means you don't have to actually use the Your Podcast playlist if you don't want to. I think these UX tricks that Matthew just discussed are really important because they get at the heart of Spotify's strategy of integrating music and podcasts in one sort of holistic sound experience. You may have gotten an early hint of this earlier this year when Spotify recommended blended playlists of music and podcasts as part of their year-in-review campaign. But unlike what Matthew was talking about, which is making your own playlists with your favorite music and your favorite podcasts, the iteration we saw earlier this year seemed to be about Spotify's AI robots doing the heavy lifting for you. They would choose the content that goes in there. It's in line with what Spotify CEO Daniel Ek calls the replacement of linear audio. In other words, it's kind of like turning on the radio and just seeing what's there. Well, if we're supposed to do that, you can see the main problem, and it's a problem Spotify's already had. How do you train bots to have good taste? On my part, the algo's guessing wasn't that good. In my year-in-review blended playlists, I got some pretty generic trap music, and then some radio shows I had already listened to, like The Breakfast Club. And it does raise interesting questions about the relation between podcasts and music. For example, I like to listen to a specific finance podcast, but I may not have much in common, musically, with other listeners. I think this all fits within the streaming world's transition from genres to lifestyle, and it shifts the focus from the work of artists, what they intended or the tradition they were working in, to the experience of listening, what you're doing in that moment. Spotify's biggest playlists are experience-based. They're about going to a coffee shop or trying to fall asleep. One question I've left is what kind of tagging or analysis has to happen behind the scenes to support the AI's work of sorting through these podcasts. Spotify's music organization is impressive. They automatically log what key a song is in, how fast it is, and a number of other factors that both Spotify's own applications and third-party applications use to sort through your music or create playlists. I have to wonder if they have similar tools for podcasting or if they're working on them. As do I. I've done some data analysis work using Spotify's 19 song features, like how danceable something is, how speech-like it is, uh, what the valence is, which is how negative or positive it is, and others. Um, and that's courtesy of their publicly available API tools. And I very highly recommend it if you're that kind of nerd. In fact, I wish Apple would share their equivalent song data, because I imagine it would be even more interesting. Apple Music for artists beats Spotify for artists in most respects, in my book at least. But to your point about tools for podcasters, though through Anchor we can see our total plays, listeners, and what sections of our podcasts have been played the most, down to the second. It's pretty basic, but it's handy. As it happens, Spotify has a lot of data science people based in London and nearby in Cambridge, and it's obvious from the job listings that I've seen that they're doing some high-level stuff. I'm sure that their internal data on podcasts is even more detailed and, from my point of view, more fascinating than what they make available for music. Right now, we can only hope that they make that public at some point. And while we're on the topic of the tech behind the scenes, I did think about the question of codecs. 
Codecs refer to how audio is compressed to be delivered to listeners. And behind the scenes, it refers to how much money can be saved on bandwidth or hosting. Without the codecs that Spotify and Netflix use, it would take a long, long time to download or stream your content. You might remember trying to do that sometime in the early 2000s. Well, skip ahead a few decades and I find myself downloading an entire music album or podcast right before I get into the subway. It's still kind of crazy to me, but it really does have to do with these better compression tools. In fact, codecs are a big investment in the entertainment tech world. Just look at Netflix. They're involved in a lot of behind-the-scenes work to figure out how to make audio and video files smaller without sacrificing quality. Their research and development expenses pale in comparison to their content investment, but they're still significant. In 2019, Netflix spent $1.6 million on research and development, up from $1.2 million in 2018. I'm guessing we can expect the trend to continue upwards. We can wonder whether Codex will be a differentiator in the streaming world. One thing we've learned through Netflix is that content is a big differentiator. Platforms end up having different content, and that's a big reason for why we pick them. We haven't seen it as much in the music world, but podcasts might give us an in there. In fact, we can wonder whether Codex will be a differentiator in the streaming world. In the video world, there's a lot of difference in the content between platforms, but there seems to be a little less of that in the audio world so far. There's mostly the same music between Apple Music and Spotify. So Codex might really help one of the platforms get a significant advantage both by being able to reduce costs and to generate valuable intellectual property. Once the R&D teams come up with these codecs, they really do have a significant monetary value. And so in short, whoever wins the podcast game may have a pretty solid leg up due to their investment in R&D. Really interesting stuff. Now, when it comes to playlists, independently curated music playlists certainly appear to be losing their relevance and power relative to Spotify's own curated playlists. And this new option to add podcasts to playlist seems to be driven less by playlister demand and more by Spotify's desire to get more and more audio to be in podcast rather than audio format. Henry alerted me to the fact that as of today, a quarter of Spotify's users listen to podcasts on the service, which to me doesn't necessarily seem like a lot, but it's worth bearing in mind that it's seen a 100% year-on-year increase in revenue from podcasts. In their words, in the last year alone, we've tripled the number of podcasts on our platform, moving from about 700,000 in quarter four of 2019 to 2.2 million podcasts today. Personally, I'm not particularly bothered by the line between songs and podcasts blurring or even being destroyed altogether. But at the same time, I am not convinced that Spotify has the best interests of music or art in mind when doing so. I can't help suspect it's more about maximizing profit by reducing their reliance on music, where you have to pay artists, record labels, and songwriters, and deal with the nightmare that is negotiating with major labels, compared to podcasts, where costs are generally super low, and you can embed ads. If we can now embed songs in podcasts, will we be able to someday embed podcasts in songs? Next, we have Vic with This Day in Podcasting. 
In May of 2020, Spotify bought exclusive rights to the Joe Rogan podcast in a $100 million deal that stunned everyone. A massive financial operation, which confirmed the streaming platform's ambition in the podcasting realm. Spotify had already struck up an exclusive deal with the Joe Budden podcast in 2018 and bought over The Ringer, a network with a focus on sports. Streaming platforms now seem to love buying podcasts. Just a few weeks ago, in late December, Amazon bought Wondery, a network which hosts shows like Dirty John and Dr. Death. That deal reportedly cost around $300 million. These deals left me wondering, when did streaming platforms start buying podcasts? It's hard to determine when the very first acquisition took place, but we can at least go back as far as 2014. French company Deezer was trying to gain traction in the US and decided to go after audio contents beyond music. They bought over Stitcher, a California-based company, which was both a platform and created its own content. At the time, Deezer wanted to integrate these podcasts into their already existing music platform. This was a fairly groundbreaking concept. To give you an idea, it would take another year for Spotify to add podcasts to its application. There was another one of Stitcher's feature that Deezer loved. A lot of car manufacturers had integrated it. The French streaming platform essentially saw a way of competing with traditional radio. What's interesting is that Deezer ended up giving up on the project. Two years later, they sold Stitcher to Midroll, a digital media company, for $4.5 million. But maybe Deezer should have held on, because in 2020, Stitcher was sold once again but this time for over $300 million. That brings to a close this episode of Metapod. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave feedback. We promise we'll read it.